Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast. I'm Rob McLeod with Brendan O'Leary. Today, we're going to discuss the self within the group, talking about society and citizenship in the progressive, or as we are now calling it, counselor approach to education. In today's episode, we're going to take a little gander back at the self in the group through the lens of the expert school, the self within the group through the lens of the coach school, but today's focus mainly about comparing and contrasting that to see what the role of an individual is within the group in the counselor approach to education. I'm Rob. Brendan, how are you today? I not too bad. Not too bad. Covered in meringue. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year for meringue and festivities. Mm, ho, ho, ho. So we've talked about this idea of the three types of school. If it's a new concept to you, please go back to our 100th episode where we go through all this stuff in detail so you have the context for what we are discussing today. One of the very important, very meaningful things to understand about the three types of school model is that each of the three types approaches the same thing from three completely different perspectives. This is really important when you're talking to people in schools to realize that their ideas, although you're using perhaps the same words, have different definitions across the three types. And what we're diving into today is this idea of the self within the group. You as an individual or other people, what does it mean for you to be in the group? So maybe, Brendan, can you give us a quick meander back through both the expert and coach approaches to the concept of the self within a group? Yeah. Um, first, a, a little bit, I guess, on that terminology of the self within the group. It's It's a strange way... I guess to describe some version of being a citizen or being a, a community member. And the reason why I guess we went with that rather than using citizen is because maybe as you get more towards a counselor end of the spectrum, they're not really using that same terminology. And again, maybe if you go back way into the traditional kind of expert centered approach, maybe that idea of being a member of society or a citizen wasn't wasn't quite viewed in the same way. Yeah, so the idea that every single person inside a school, we're all there every day, but we're kind of viewing ourselves and we're viewed as playing a slightly different role. So if we go back into the myths of time, into the uh, expert-centered school, the school itself is a hierarchy and authority is held in great respect, but... You as an individual embody that culture and you, essentially you're keeping yourself in check and to be a good member of the group, a good self within the group means that you have self-discipline and you can be orderly and you can do things correctly and you could respect the other members of the group and follow all of those unwritten and unspoken conventions. That's how you become a positive and uh, fulfilled member of that group. Now, if you move into the more coach-centered approach, that kind of power structure has changed a little bit. And you're kind of a member of a team. There's still a hierarchy. There's still people in charge. But you're kind of uh, an individual who's part of a team. And you may be part of many different teams. And those teams may change. Your job now as a self within the group, as a citizen or a member of that society, is to set goals and challenge yourself, but in a fair way, in a responsible way, in a way that gives everybody a fair shot at this and the opportunities to do their best as well, whether they're on your team or whether they're not. And 
we explicitly start to set up the rules of the game to be about justice and fairness and equality, moving away from what arguably is more based on our morals and maybe a little bit more unspoken. Now we're in the coach-centered world and we are writing these things down and we're making it very clear that there are rules to this game that we must adhere to to make this fair for everyone. Now, as we move into the counselor-centered approach, we hear this kind of idea that each person has their own needs that go beyond just equality. So this word of equity starts to appear. That every single person is going to be different. They're going to bring a different thing and they're going to need different things. And there's there's the adage, I think it's Marx, who each according to their ability, each according to their needs. So you're now bringing whatever you can to the community. You are being aware of your own needs and the needs of others and you're trying to bring your whole self and allow other people to bring their whole self bring what you can bring what you've got and take what you need be a responsible person that allows others to take what they need and that isn't necessarily going to be equal equity means that there we're not all starting in the same place and we're not all going to the same place, but we can support each other in that. You're an equal part. You're a very meaningful part in this society, regardless of your age. But of course, your abilities are going to differ depending on your age and things like that, as we've referred to in, in previous episodes. So we hear things like it's more egalitarian and it's the aims are to be very inclusive. You are a meaningful participant were the one of the worst things you can be is a free rider in this organization you are you're not looking for loopholes you're not looking for ways to get out of any duty you're looking to be a positive and meaningful part of this society this group to the very best of your ability and uh, in doing so have your your needs met which means that we have to be explicit and clear about what those needs are which we can only do if we're bringing our whole selves and uh, our honest and open kind of attitudes to the group. Well, I think that's the important idea there is the counselor approach. You as the individual, this is our, a participatory community. If you choose to sit on the sidelines, you can't gripe because this thing is made up of the contributions of all of the individuals. So it's participatory in that sense. And I, I guess to try and contrast this a little bit with the expert and the coach, the expert has the hierarchy already well established. And it's rather, you know, your role to just function within that hierarchy. In the coach, it's maybe a little bit more abstract, but it's kind of like, hey, we've already set up this framework of measurements, of achievement standards, of goal setting and all this. And it's your job to show up and do your personal best. Here in the counselor, contrast this with this idea of like, no, 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 this thing is not made by the hierarchy. It's not a pre-established, determined assessment curriculum-based game and framework you have to work your way through. No, no, no. This is co-created. You are a participant in this. You're an equal participant just as much as anybody else. And what are your needs and what can you contribute back to the group? You're here to contribute to the group and the group's here to contribute to you. Now, of course, I think the coach... An expert would also say that same thing of, well, no, you contribute to the group and the group contributes to you. But again, back to what we said at the start of this episode, all three can say the same thing, but mean something completely different by it. 
And I think this is the expression of the counselor here. So yeah, very, very interesting. This idea of even, you know, even a six-year-old grade one student has the potential to bring something forth as an individual within this society or within this school, within this community, make change, as we've discussed in previous episodes through democratic or sociocratic means, and have their voice heard, have their meaning presented, contribute to the group, and also benefit from the group. I think if I do a thought experiment where there are 10 people in a room with a school and you have various ages represented, children of the three, four years old, five, six, 10, 12, 14, some younger adults, some older adults, and some people in senior leadership, teachers, students. If you were in an expert-centered school, you would very clearly see the hierarchy in that room. And it's very unlikely that the students would be given much time to meaningfully express their ideas and for those ideas to be taken on board. It's not that they would not that they would be ignored, not at all. But it's just that the, those ideas would not be given the same weight as those of the senior leadership. And equally, they wouldn't have that same responsibility, which is one of the things I remember when we talked about kindergarten in the traditional, it's almost like you're too young for responsibility. And so you are in this kind of like world where you are ironically the most free you're going to be because you are pre-responsibility. So I think of the expert-centered room, decisions are being made by the through the hierarchy, and then the uh, senior leader probably gets to deliberate on decision and then kind of make that representing the entire group. What you might then see in the coach-centered school is you might see them in smaller groups. They make uh, collaborate with each other and put ideas together. It's still likely to be led by the coaches and by the leadership. They're probably still going to be filtering through those ideas very much so. And at the end of the day, the hierarchy still kind of exists, but there's maybe just a little bit more of a, uh, a a way to collaborate and get your ideas and negotiate. And then if we move one step further into the counselor-centered approach, you know, already in my mind, I'm seeing them sat in a circle rather than in a traditional, the, the chairperson who's probably someone higher up in the school at the front in more of an expert-centered uh, or even coach-centered. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm envisioning a circle or something where everybody can see each other. There, there's already the medium is the message, as a as a famous Canadian might have said. They sit in, um, they sit in the circle. Everybody's getting their chance to speak, and we consent to their ideas. And those ideas are. Again, ideally, to the extent that, that those people are able to express them and think them through, they are given their, their time to be considered. Again, we don't want to strawman this and say like, oh, well, those kids are just not considered in the other two approaches. It's just that they are far more considered and the time taken to dig into what those children mean, as well as what the, the more experienced members of the community mean. We're going to give them not equal time, but the amount of time they need, an equitable amount of time to express themselves and to be considered and to feel, and not just feel, but be an actual meaningful part of that decision-making process. We're kind of getting into the idea of the babies. What is good about this system? Just before we get there, what's good about having this discussion about these three is schools do this perhaps unconsciously. I think most of us hold one of these three views of what the role of an individual 
is within the community of the school or what the role of a student is within the community of the school. And those might be informed by our experiences or some of our other values or morals, those kinds of things. But this is like a level of discussion I've never seen had in a school, at least at this level of saying like, <laughs> what is the role of a student here? And it's interesting, I, before we start recording, I was mentioning, you know, I have a few friends who are starting a new school and they're actually trying to have these kinds of conversations now in order to build their team, the school's philosophy and the concept now to ensure that they can hire people who are in alignment with this idea rather than kind of knowing this, but not being able to put it into words and then proceeding and three, five, 10 years down the road, have this tug of war between these three different types of views of what it, of what the role is for a student within the school. Mm. Is it this, you know, expert, you're a member within the hierarchy? Is it this coach you're, you know, here to do your personal best within the structure we've set up for you? Or are you an equal part of this participatory co-creative culture here. And it seems in this day and age, most schools fluctuate between two or all three of these in terms of what they would like it to look like. And then when that meets the practical realities of how the school is set up or how funding works or timetables, etc. Um, just to highlight that I think what we're talking about here rarely gets explicitly said, but is highly influential in terms of visions for a school. I guess, you know, the example I gave, I think that's kind of easy to see maybe how the hierarchy and then moving into the personal best and teamwork and collaboration and then moving into this equitable um, dialogue-based decision-making. But just think about a classroom. Just, I mean, you, do, do the things that we're talking about, to what extent do they happen in the classrooms in your school? If you're looking at any random lesson, are you likely to see a meaningful discussion about what should be happening and what is happening and how people's needs are being met, both within the academics and their social, emotional, and their, whereas I would say most schools I've been in, both, both the coach mainstream and the expert, more traditional approach, I, I'm the chances of me seeing everybody sitting around having discussions about the equitable nature of what they're doing and the needs and how they are being a part of this community is is far less likely to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we look at some of these babies, look at the good things that come from this idea of the individual within the school community. Yeah. It's this idea of like all your needs will be met or have the potential to be met. So who you are as an entire person gets to show up and your needs as a student can be met. Yeah, whether that comes through you bringing your sense of meaning and your needs to the forefront and or the strength of that community and that group that you are someone who helps others meet their needs and others are those who help you ensure that your needs are met as well. It's an incredibly supportive system. You might even say a hyper supportive system. You might indeed. I mean, the fact that just acknowledging that you have needs because I think the, the coach-centered approach may have started to touch on the abilities thing. You have a, a higher level of ability it's within a, a much more narrow framework within the curriculum. But I think it's only uh, on the peripheries of that when we got into differentiation, especially into uh, special educational needs within the coach 
world where we would say, oh, actually, there's there's needs that students have that need to be met. But this is at the center of, of this kind of school, this kind of community. Every single person within the community will also have their own needs, which are less well-defined in the models that we've talked about before. So I think that's a really good starting point to say we've started to acknowledge within a coach-centered uh, world that you know, there's there's going to be people who need additional support. But as you move into a counselor-centered world where everybody's doing something different, then everybody's going to need support, but at very different levels. And it's making that explicit to say, okay, if someone has a well-defined set of needs, that's great. That's fantastic. We can help to support that. And we will put, we will do whatever we can to make sure that that person is part of our community and their needs are met. Let's expand that further to say that everybody here will have their own needs. And can we spend some time unpacking those? Can we spend some time saying, oh, well, if I have these kind of kind of needs or things that will help me to function really well in our society, in our community, how can we support each other to meet those needs? And then if I can do something that is kind of unique or that maybe is something that a lot of other people would benefit from, I can bring that to them. So it's kind of expanding those those ideas that started in the coach-centered world of differentiation and special needs support and expanding them so that then we can actually meet on a deeper level everybody's needs and acknowledging, again, that word equity. And that supports our growth. And at the core of this model it's helping an individual to grow as an individual within this society. As we keep saying, you grow, you become this, um, you you go off in all the directions that you can as a person that, that fulfills you as a person, helps you to grow, but not at the expense of the community. It's, it, it's a, it's, it's done in tandem. It's, if we don't know what our needs are, if we're not spending any time unpacking those, then how could we possibly try and meet them? Similarly, if we don't know what our abilities are, we don't know what we're, what our strengths are, how can we possibly use those strengths to help others and help ourselves? Sounds like you need to sit down and find out your needs in that situation. I think so. You might also need to sit down with some bath water and bathe yourself. Mm. So if you've looked at the babies, the good things of this, let's shift over to the bath water, the not so good or potentially not so good things about this view of the self within the group. And a lot of these we've actually already mentioned, this idea of the tragedy of the commons. So being the fact that it is so dependent upon participation, if you do have more and more people sitting on the sidelines, you do have the potential for the community to fall apart due to selves, individuals not participating within the group. You also have the risks of people using insidious means to take advantage of the situation. So again, it only takes a few bad apples to potentially really spoil a healthy counselor community simply because those voices do need to be heard. They are an equal part of the community. And knowing that consensus is required, there can be some shady behind the scenes consensus making. But I think perhaps the most relevant one here, this idea of the individual within the community is the lowering of standards due to capabilities and the limits of self-sufficiency. So this idea of like the middle of a distribution curve. So you've got this community. Every individual is pursuing having their needs met and at the same time supporting the community 
for having its needs met. But simply put, you, you know, you get a group of 100 people together, there's going to be some who are able to contribute more and some who are able to contribute less. And there's the potential that for you as an individual, you're, you might need to lower your standards slightly due to the time constraints that are required to do this. You might need to lower your standards in terms of what the group is able to do because the group is trying to be kind of a closed loop, self-sufficient organism. And yeah, maybe can you add to this, Brennan, just this idea of that that does create limits if you if it is a self-contained organism. Yeah, because I think if we flip back to the coach-centered approach, which values individualism arguably over the collective. Done well? No, of course, it's a healthy team, but it does value individualism and values the running far and the setting goals. And then it's that idea or that old adage of you can run far by yourself or you can work with a team and maybe move at a slower pace, but have a stronger and deeper kind of team. And it's that trade-off, isn't it? To say like, well, in this paradigm, in the counselor-centered approach, we're basically saying we're going to move within the environment when you can still reach out on your own and like that's it's you know your your abilities we still want you to push and achieve but it's not going to be at the expense of our community and so you may have to slow down you may have to take more time to unpack ideas uh, because that's what the group needs to do and that is less welcomed in the coach-centered approach so if you're coming from a place where it's some kind of hyper-competitive, though maybe still healthy place, and you walk into this place and you're just being asked to slow down and think things through and plan things through and just make sure everybody's listened to and consented to. It just might feel like you're just not hitting, yeah, your best. You're no longer operating at that, that highest level. The healthy version of this community would be one that hopefully was able to meet your needs because you're like, oh, you know what? I'm feeling like I'm really being held back. I I, I really want to achieve in this particular sport or art or science. And it's like by having to consent to everything and have these long discussions, it's kind of actually getting in the way of that. The healthy version of this counselor-centered approach would be to work out a way maybe that it does still work for you, but adding to the community at the same time. So, but yeah, I could definitely see how someone could feel like they're compromising and being held back by being in this more community-minded place. Yeah, and one point that I touched on there just previously was this idea of a few harmful people, the few bad apples needing to be included despite their toxic or unhealthy motives. Yeah, there's this idea that Perhaps the community might be lacking an immune system in a sense, saying, no, 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 we have to include these people. We have to find a way to reach a consensus. Yet those few people, well, they can destroy the community, which ends up removing the well-being or the meaning pursuit or all these sorts of things for everybody. But it can potentially go the exact opposite direction. And you get this hyperimmune system response actually as like an allergic reaction to any dissent or any, you know, complaining. And there is this, I guess you'd see, you'd start to see those people as threats and the idea of needing to remove them possibly from the school community through some means. But there could potentially be an overreaction to threats, seeing anybody who's just not in total alignment with, you know, the general overall consensus of where the school is at now. And 
seeing any kind of dissent or lack of consensus in this co-collaborative culture, seeing those people needing to be removed or finding them as a threat and simply working to get rid of them. So we could see kind of either extreme immune system response of, no, 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 we have to include these people or, ooh, no, there's toxic people, get them out of here or else we can't have our needs met within this community. Yeah, it's a really interesting and tricky idea when you get into this idea of equity. And that requires real honesty on, on everyone's side. And so, yeah, and we can see this historically, but there's examples all the way through history of groups of people who were based on some kind of egalitarian set of working together, living together. And yeah, maybe began with a couple of people that were just making it very difficult for the rest, whether they were the free riders or whether they were against certain ideas that the group was trying to push and there wasn't a way to reach some consensus or the, the group couldn't really accept their perspective. And so maybe in that sense that they felt, okay, these people should not be allowed. And it's like, okay, but we're about inclusion. So the group is about inclusion. Where is that line? Where does the, where do you draw the line of being inclusive in the sense that if we don't draw this line, we're not going to have a community to be inclusive. And then, as you said, like the slippery slope argument of that is that suddenly what is seen as dissent, what is seen as not being in agreement with the community becomes broader and broader until essentially, unless you agree with a smaller and smaller number of people making the decisions, then you will no longer be part of this community. And um, it's quite a dystopian view. And I would say that is actually when we get into these discussions about the counselor center school and especially democratic parts of it, that's something that comes up often, that fear of like, okay, well, who's making these decisions and what happens when that decision-making process goes goes bad and goes wrong when you don't have the hierarchy of the expert and you don't have the checks and balances that are in place in the coach-centered kind of model all right having egalitarian shared decision making is all well and good when we can reach a consensus and, and we can consent to everyone's needs until wants. we can't until we can't and then it may go very bad very quickly mm -hmm. um and it's just not worth the risk of it it's going just not bad. Worth the risk to protect yeah, ourselves. Yeah, of it going bad. Yeah, when we have the hierarchy, new that works. measures need to implement these few new measures just to make sure it doesn't go bad. Exactly. And then it's Animal Farm. Exactly. Deep topics to kind of get into. I I guess the only thing for me is that when you talk in the abstract, sure, our minds will go to these utopian or dystopian places. We're so far in the real world from having this as anything like the mainstream that we really have to look quite far to to kind of work out what this might look like and if we look back at the circle schools and the illich's de-schooling and and uh, the agora and a few other things we've kind of looked at they're all different flavors of this and they're all kind of finding their way, making their way through this idea of just you know, how can we get consensus in larger groups and how can we put checks and balances in place so that it doesn't become some dystopian model but as you may say yourself we do not want to throw out the babies with the bathwater. so how do we move to a place where all of that fantastic support and growth are meeting our needs and without those dangers is the question 
the question we shall be answering for many a year. And in next week's episode. We will give you the answer. Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. The end.